Hello, I'm Marilyn Flair. Welcome to the PlayLab podcast. We're Zooming in today because of COVID situation, but also it's a very windy day, so we might have some fantastic um, sound effects to join us today. Um, In this podcast space, we share with you what we're learning from our research. And today we're going to deep dive into an evidence-based model called Conceptual Playworlds for the Intentional Teaching of STEM, Science, Technology, Engineering, Mathematics, for early childhood. Specifically, today we're going to look at Conceptual Playworlds in terms of the changed role of the educator and what this means for children's engagement with STEM, particularly for young girls. To discuss this, we have with us from our Play Lab, our fabulous um, researchers, Rebecca Lewis and Tanya Stevenson, who have been leading this work uh, with educators, and we're going to meet them now. Hi, everyone. I'm Tanya, and it's really lovely to be here today. I've been a part of the Conceptual Play Lab for over two years now, and my research focuses on teacher professional development and increasing girls' engagement with STEM. Hi, everybody. My name is Rebecca. Um, I'm also part of the Play Lab and the focus of my research and um, work at the Play Lab is with educators and their professional development. Rebecca, to kickstart our conversation on how Conceptual Playworlds has impacted on educators and children, can you give us an overview of the professional development that's on offer in the Play Lab? Yes, so um, over the past couple of years, we've been offering professional development to a broad range of educators around Australia. And we've been doing that in three different ways. We've been doing it face-to-face, in person when we could. Um, More recently over Zoom, where someone from the Play Lab facilitates a workshop to support the educators' planning. And then recently we launched an online format and we aim to reach over 300 educators online. Um, And this has all been really exciting because we keep hearing from educators time and time again how much fun they're having teaching in this new way and that they're having as much fun as the children. Oh, fantastic. And particularly in the context of um, COVID, it's wonderful to have lots of different kinds of uh, ways in which we c- you can reach out to educators. And even with the starting of 300, we hope, I guess, to get to 3,000 over time, which will be really exciting. Um, so, Rebecca, do you think you could tell us a little bit about um, the, the new role of the educator when they learn about this conceptual play world model and maybe a little bit about what it looks like in practice? Yes, so I think um, lots of the time when we say to educators this is a play-based approach, they'll say, oh, we've been doing this for many years. But I find, in fact, that the role of the educator in a conceptual play world is quite different and it's one of my real passions, this new exciting role of the educator because it's really active in supporting children to form their concepts and we do it from inside the imaginary play situation which means we have to play with children Um, so this role as educator as play partner is really powerful wow and is there um is is there new thinking that sits under this in terms of um uh, the development of children and and the role of the educator in relation to that um, yes, so the research has found that the conceptual play world model allows for new ways of um, participating and developing, not just for the child, but also for the educator. Um, and there's always theories that sit behind these these um, practices. So some, some theories of child development and beliefs are 
about children promote child-centered programs, but this can de-emphasize the role of the educator in play to that um, mostly of a facilitator or a documenter or setting up beautiful, inviting environments. Um, but we like to talk about it being less of a binary. So it's not that it's child-led or that it's teacher-led, but we're really interested in all these different interactions that educators and children can have in the space between. Because the research is showing that if educators are predominantly outside of children's play, it's really difficult for teachers to intentionally teach concepts. Um, and we know that the dominant activity of childhood is to play. So then it makes sense that teachers are in the play to make the most of these possibilities for learning and, and development. Wow, that's pretty exciting and, and really unique and different. Um, do, you, do you have some educators that um, you've been talking to who um, can, can give some more insights? Yes, so um, I'll introduce Lisa. She's one of our STEM champions and she'll tell us about her role in a few of the different play worlds that she's participated in and she'll discuss The Magic Hat by Mem Fox, um, a book Gloucester found by Oliver Jeffers and Don't Mention Pirates by Sarah McConnell and she'll discuss how together the children and the educators played and solved problems to help the characters from these stories and she'll tell us about her, her new role in the play and, and how the children engage differently um, and these, these interactions that supported the play and the learning uh, specifically to bring in STEM concepts. So in the um, Magic Hat, I took on lots of different characters. So I was, um, so initially we, um, and I used like a magic box to enter the play. So we have a very special magic box that I use to introduce lots of concepts and they you know, they have this rhyme that they say in order for the box to open up because it doesn't open otherwise. Um, and so then I just had some sparkles. We sparkled over the children and they know that that's when they're entering the play world. So um, when we entered that, then we we went through the village and then as we got to each animal, I became those animals. And they asked me questions as to where this hat might be and, um, and then, yeah, and then as we went, and this kind of went on for, for quite, like, a few weeks so you know I was a different animal and lots of different days so yeah but with um don't mention pirates we actually had a pirate day so we we're all dressed as pirates so that makes it a little bit easier um and I guess I probably was the lead pirate that was or the captain um that was you know taking them through this adventure and so I probably took a bit more of a lead role in that particular one where lost and found I feel like probably the children took more of a lead role in that conceptual play. The children actually are almost like they're believing that I am that character. So when I was the kangaroo, you know, their little face is so excited and, you know, asking these questions, but where do you know where the hat is? You know, and they're just so excited about, you know, that, that this kangaroo is going to help them. And then when we jumped back out of the book and I said, oh, did you talk to the kangaroo? You know, and they're like, yes, we did. And this is what he said. And so we had to write it down what the kangaroo had told me. So it was when I came back out of the book, I was no longer the kangaroo. It was almost like I didn't even remember it, you know, that I was that character. And they had to give me all this information because, well, I wasn't there, the kangaroo was. So they had to, yeah, so it was almost like I had 
perhaps just become one of the group that wasn't that person or wasn't that character. I think it becomes very flexible in the way that they can learn. So I think it is just a very different way of learning and it's probably and it's a different relationship in that place. So where they know they can come to me and ask for advice and, and I'm supportive in that way, I guess when I'm the character, it's like, well, we need to talk to this character, we need to talk to this person so we can get some more information. Um, so it's just, I guess, taking on a different role and, and they're understanding that. So they're in the play um, and they're engaged with the play and they're just interacting differently. Wow, that's so interesting to uh, to hear about um, Lisa's um, experience of of um, implementing a conceptual play world. She sounds so inspired and um, and creating so many opportunities for the children because she's taking on being a character in the book, but in different ways, in different stories. And so it's really exciting and interesting. Um, Tanya, I was just reflecting on that and wondering um, if you would like to add to the conversation here because um, being in character and being in role is really exciting. But there's, but we know also that sometimes um, in the research it says that teachers don't always feel confident um, in relation to bringing in STEM concepts into this role um, uh, generally and in the conceptual play world, what, what sort of things did you notice um, that made a difference to helping the educators feel more comfortable and confident to bring STEM concepts into the play? Yeah, so we found that because the conceptual play world is a play-based model and it builds on the strengths of early childhood teachers, so in play and in storytelling, it increased the teacher's confidence and their motivation to engage in STEM with the children. Um, and we know that in the early years, there's this big focus on literacy and social-emotional development. And research shows that the amount of time that teachers spend on these areas often means that there's less time to spend on areas like STEM. And what's lovely about the conceptual play world model is that because of its play-based nature, it engages children with STEM concepts through a story narrative, and it creates the possibilities for teachers to continue working on children's social-emotional development by, say, creating empathy as they try to help the characters by solving the problem, and also their literacy needs through the stories and introducing new vocabulary and engaging in lots of communication and collaboration. So being able to do that gave the teachers more time and more opportunities to engage with STEM concepts um, while also working on social, emotional and um, literacy skills, which is really important. And this is really different from the science or STEM teaching models that have sort of been pushed down from schools and have not really been specifically developed for children in their early years. So this strength-based model with this focus on play, because it's especially designed for the early years, allows the teachers to really engage children in with STEM in a way that's really easily accessible and understandable for the children and also really fun. So, for example, in one play world, the children engaged with the concept of photosynthesis by pretending to be seeds and the sun and water and pretending to be plants growing from the seeds. Or another one where the children were pretending to be engineers designing and building robots that could clean the pollution from the river to save the sea creatures who were getting sick. So it's so much fun. And this increased the teacher's confidence and got them really motivated to engage further with STEM. And as a result of that, there was much more STEM engagement happening in the centers. So now um, I was thinking we could hear from Lisa again, um, who will talk a little bit further about 
her experience with conceptual playworlds. And here she talks about another example from the Lost and Found Playworld to tell us about how the children's excitement and their engagement created lots of these opportunities to embed STEM and concepts in the play, like researching, designing and building boats and planes for the penguin. Um, and it's really great because we can see that there's lots of STEM engagement, which is something that may not really be typical in an early childhood setting. With in the book Lost and Found, um, with the, the STEM concept. So, uh, what happened was the you know the penguin needed to get back to the South Pole. So the children discussed this um, through over many weeks. The children we continue to revisit this play. Uh, they would build planes for the for the penguin. They would build um, boats for the penguin. So first, they sort of do that design first. So they go and you know draw these their ideas and then they'd head off to the block area and they'd start building them. I did find that having uh, just a, just some sort of prop was really beneficial. So we um, like we would just, they once they would build these um, constructions, then they would ask for the penguin to come down and the penguin would join them in these spaces. With design, like the children have an idea and then we use things like the iPad to research more information. So we might watch perhaps a YouTube clip um, we did um, a small conceptual play world where the Singmal Bridge had fallen down and we had to we had to build it again and we weren't sure how to do this. So we went on YouTube and saw, you know, and watched how they'd built that bridge and we talked and, you know, we talked about safety. So when we went outside and constructed this bridge, um, they, they had all that knowledge as to how it was going to be constructed. Um, some of them decided that they needed, you know, road signs and some decided they needed street lights and all those sorts of things. And then we used technology in a way so they would draw one street light, then we'd take it to the photocopier and photocopy about five of them. And then, you know, so they're understanding that they can do that as well. So we use lots of different forms of technology, I guess, to, for, you know, for more information. So within that lost and found too, uh, we did mapping as well. So we wanted to know how far it was going to be from Australia to um, the South Pole. So we researched that. We looked up Google Maps um, and then they drew their own maps so they knew how far. Wow, it's so interesting to hear how how Lisa um, is so confidently discussing STEM concepts. You know, she's talking about problem solving, designerly thinking, um, bridge construction, all these engineering principles involved, the use of um, um, high technologies. Really, it's so inspiring to hear somebody um, so motivated and, and so, so it gives a different story about early childhood educators and their confidence and competence in STEM. Clearly, the conceptual play world model as a credit-based model or a, a model that um, is designed specially for educators in play-based settings is making a difference to how they feel to in, intentionally teaching of STEM concepts. I, I'm just blown away. I think Lisa's amazing. Um, but now I'm wondering... Rebecca, when we think about this really exciting experience that these children have that Lisa's describing, what, in your opinion, are the opportunities um, that are created here for the children? You know, what, what, how has it changed for them um, now that the educators are involved in the teaching of STEM in this way? What's different? I think um, lots of things are different, as we heard from Lisa, but I'll just build on that a little bit more from, from my own experience as a teacher, but also as a researcher. We see that it opens up 
new ways to interact with children. So not only are you relating to a child as an educator, but once you enter this shared imaginary situation, um, otherwise known as play, or these worlds that you create together, you have a new way of relating to each other. So, for example, if, if a child's a baby dragon and I'm a mummy dragon, I have a different way to support their development and their interests and their relationships with the peers in the group that that you aren't able to do in, in, a, in a different way. So it creates lots of opportunities for children's participation. And I think that educators can consciously support and sustain the children's participation and their interests because you're engaging with the story. So you're, you're all playing this same narrative and you, you have this sense of sort of colluding together or, or sharing this really special thing together as, as a group. And then, of course, the fictional characters which the children develop empathy with and are so um, easy for the children to relate with. And then embedded in the play are these really engaging problems and adventures. And so it is a different way to learn. And I believe that the social participation, it's sort of the doorway to engaging with STEM opportunities for young children. Um, and I think that without the support of the educator from inside the play, which is such a social environment, some of these possibilities for development can be lost. Rebecca, that's just amazing. Um, the experiences that you've had and, and what opportunities you've created for children. I'm wondering, what about for Lisa? Have you got some insights from Lisa that you'd like to share with us? Yes, yeah, so next, Lisa will share some examples about um, how she created new opportunities for children in, in the conceptual play worlds that she was implementing. And she'll explain how children are motivated to revisit play and to make it make the play more complex because the children become storytellers and then the stories enable children to develop empathy with the characters. With In the book Lost and Found, um, with the, the STEM concept, so... Uh, what happened was the, you know, the penguin needed to get back to the South Pole. So the children discussed this um, through over many weeks. The children would continue to revisit this play. Uh, they would build planes for the for the penguin. They would build um, boats for the penguin. So first they sort of do that design first. So they go and, you know, draw these, their ideas, and then they head off to the block area and they'd start building them. I did find that having uh, just a, just some sort of prop was really beneficial. So we um, like we would just they once they would build these um, constructions, then they would ask for the penguin to come down, and the penguin would join them in these spaces. I think having a small prop or having something um, that just that just extends the play, I think is is really important. So I think if we didn't have the penguin. And they were just building a boat. I feel like the the play would have lost its purpose, but because they could then bring the penguin down once they had made this construction, then they entered into a deeper play. Right? Well, what does the penguin need next? You know, let's build the penguin a slide because that would be fun on his way to the South Pole. It's going to take a long time. We looked at you know the iPad as to where we were in Australia to the South Pole. How far was that going to be? Well, he's that's a long time. He's going to need some snacks. So then they, you know, built a little area to catch fish for him because he's going to be hungry along his way. 
I feel like if we didn't have that penguin, perhaps it would have got to the boat stage and then it may have taken a different direction. And I think a lot of like the conceptual, well, the conceptual plays that I've done, I think having empathy with the character um, is one of the probably important parts. Like when we did Don't Mention Pirates, um, they, you know, they really wanted to help Scarlet to find her treasure. When we did The Magic Hat, they really, really wanted to help the wizard find his hat again because it was lost. So I think that was a real drive to that play um, that, yeah, this was a real purpose. This is what we needed to do. We're going to help him. We've got this connection with this character. And I think they learn a lot more too. I think they learn that because they take on these leadership roles in the conceptual play worlds, I think they learn that they also have the ability to be a storyteller. It's not just the teacher. Um, so they'll often see at group times, you know, I like, I love doing lots of told stories and books and, you know, and all sorts of different ways of storytelling. But I think they often see me do it rather than they doing it. So I think once they're in that play, they're like, well, I can really do this. So when they come out of the play world, then that you'll see that in the playground. You'll see children engaging in storytelling. You'll see them using, you know, symbolic play and um, and engaging perhaps with the story that you've done, that you've just recently done, or perhaps they're making up their own story. What I really love about what Lisa was saying was that she she finds the story really um, motivating for, it's almost like the, the, the glue that holds all that STEM learning together and um, and that it inspires them. So the, the empathy for the character really takes it forward, as you were saying, Rebecca, earlier on, that it's really important. Um, so the story creates this fantastic drama that um, where, where the children not just make all these amazing things and not only just learn amazing things about STEM, but they cycle back in and they mature their play. The play gets more exciting. And, and as she was saying at the end about the leadership role, I, I just think this is incredible. So, so this is, seems to me the conceptual play world is really making a huge difference um, to the experiences of the children. So they're getting this richness in their play, they're developing their play, they're learning the STEM concepts. So in response to what you've just been discussing, Marilyn, about um, conceptual play worlds providing opportunities to develop the complexity of the play, I want to share with the audience that it's not just that children are playing narratives, but they're, actually, they're also playing concepts. So to give you an example, if you're exploring, say, the rotation and the orbit of the sun and the moon and the earth, the children and teachers can be the sun, the moon and the earth and role play that concept. Or, or if you're investigating technologies needed for space travel, like propulsion and navigation, then you can be the space shuttle and blast into space. So it's a different way of playing. That's just, a, yeah, another example. Oh, but Rebecca, that's so interesting because what I'm hearing you say is that um, that the children are actually embodying the STEM concepts. And, of course, we know from all the research on children's play that um, the children are constantly trying to work out how their world works through their play. So if, if they're experiencing STEM and STEM problems that they have to solve as part of their imaginary play, then this is such a beautiful example that you, you're talking to of, of, of how 
this model really creates the possibilities for children to embody and explore and play with concepts in this in the imaginary situations of these play worlds. It's just amazing. Uh, it, it takes us a whole step further. And the beauty of it is that teachers, because they're inside the play, they can then invite the children. So they can, if there's a child who's a bit lost or who doesn't know how to participate, then the child can say, come and be the sun with me um, or let's be the moon together rotating and orbiting, these sorts of things. So it's a different way of engaging children. Uh, and, and it speaks so strongly to, you know, what we often hear in the professional development from the educators of what happens if I lose control of the children? I'm the teacher and I'm supposed to be out front guiding them. But I'm hearing you say, Rebecca, that actually in character you can, you can still be the teacher but you're actually a play partner at the same time. So you can direct in the little thing that emerges. It's really amazing. But I'm wondering, um, Tanya, your work's very focused on... Um, on, on the experiences of the children as well as the educator in, rela in relation to um, girls' experiences of STEM and particularly because, you know, we know that um, there's some, some challenges around um, girls' engagement in STEM. What, what have you found in the work that you've been doing and, and what you've been learning about what difference a conceptual play world model makes for girls? Yeah, so there have been ongoing concerns about girls' early disengagement with STEM and an achievement gap appears by the time the children reach kindergarten, which places girls at a much higher risk for their STEM skill development. Um, and the gendered interactions in the environment play a major role in the girls' identity formation from a very young age. So teachers can be a significant source of support as well as a barrier to girls' engagement with STEM. And what we found was that the possibilities created by the conceptual play world model positively alter these interactional patterns because of the teacher's active role in the play, which brings them closer to the children's narrative where they're so much more in tune with any gendered occurrences that might be happening in the play. Um, and when the educators are inside the imaginary situation themselves, they're able to reposition the girls to be at the front and give them just as much opportunity to be able to access these resources. Um, and through conceptual play worlds, the teachers offer children a purpose to use the STEM-related concepts and skills, as we heard Lisa talk about before. Um, and this created the excitement caused by the drama and being in character and the teachers themselves being actively involved in the play. And so this really created motivating conditions for STEM and a positive, engaging and safe space for young girls to freely engage with STEM. And we found that the girls were much more engaged in these STEM-related experiences. And what was really interesting was that as the teachers became more and more aware of this positive shift in the girls' STEM engagement, it transformed their practices towards actively supporting the girls in STEM experiences. So, for example, they introduced new female lead characters into the story um, because often the lead character can be a boy um, and inviting girls to take on leading STEM expert roles like the chief scientist. Um, and so because of this, the girls also began to actively, um, the teachers also began to actively change the environment, even when they were outside the conceptual play world. Um, and so this offered the potential for girls to really engage with STEM and develop a strong STEM foundation from a very young age. And this can create these possibilities for changing the current situation of girls' early disengagement with STEM. 
So I was hoping we could hear one final time from Lisa, and this time she'll tell us about her experience with the girls' STEM engagement through conceptual play worlds. And she talks about the girls' connection with the characters in the play scenario, um, the purpose it gave them to help the characters by solving a STEM-related problem, and how this changed the dynamics in play spaces like the block corner. Yes, I think all children can enter that complex play, but I think it was probably appealing quite it's a quite appealing to the girls that they can have this real connection um, with this particular character and you know they've got all these wonderful problem solving skills and I think um, through having this connection and having that empathy then they can just really really extend that play with peers. We did find that the girls were really engaged in that um, that process. We found while the boys were more using the block area to perhaps build ramps for cars, um, the girls were were using this play space, this block area, as more of a creating like a play scene so that they could um, make this play scene and then they could engage with it with the penguins. So they would, um, so they would you know they did all sorts of things they wrote their name to show the penguin they um built sort of areas where they could capture fish for the penguin they um i'm just oh at one time uh they they got as they were getting closer to the south pole they realized that the, the ice would be very thick and they weren't sure what to do with that so then we researched icebreakers and they had a little look at the boats and the construction and then they started um, building their own icebreakers from there um, so that they could get the penguin back to the South Pole. Whereas the boys enjoyed that conceptual play, The Lost and Found, I think the girls took it to a whole different level. So they were continually revisiting that and I think that was probably um, empowering for them that they could you know, do this design and they could construct these, you know, boats or ships or planes or whatever they were building um, and then they could then engage with them um, in that play. So um, they were revisiting that all of the time and I think they, so, you know, it was sort of a continual STEM project that they were involved in. I've reflected on this a lot and I think it's because the girls could use, because we also have quite a lot of loose parts play in that area, loose parts materials, and I think the girls were able to then take all of these loose parts and they were, it had a real purpose to it rather than I'm just going to build, a, you know, a castle today or I'm going to build a house today. It was like we're going to build a plane, we have this common goal together and we're going to get the penguin back to the South Pole. So I think that was very interesting for them. And they revisited that for many, many weeks. And it actually changed the dynamics of the block area that year, that was last year, where um, probably more so the girls were in that space than the boys in the end, um, you know. And then sometimes they were just all in there together working. Wow, I, I think Lisa really sums up how significant conceptual play world is for changing the story for girls and the richness of it. We can hear that the social problems are really driving the narrative of the play. But so she talks about, Lisa talked about how meaningful it is then to bring in the STEM concepts to, you know, to, to work on how to solve the problem of pushing through the ice on the way to Antarctica. You know, look, it's just so rich and beautiful. It's not an isolated problem. It's not a, a series of materials just provided and, and, um, and children explore it. It's a real story around 
around the experience. And, you know, that really matters to the girls and to the boys, but it keeps the girls there. And, and how wonderful to hear from Lisa. So we're going to wrap it up now. We're out of time. Um, and um, I want to um, say um, how exciting it's been to, to listen to you, um, Tanya and Rebecca, talking about the research that you've been taking forward and, um, and how it's really making a difference. It's making a difference for policy because conceptual play worlds is, is a model that's addressing that big problem that, you know, governments worry about, you know, girls not getting access to STEM, not enough girls and therefore women in STEM fields later on. It's also um, having an impact on practice because the educators are, we're hearing are just so motivated. We heard from Lisa, it's just so motivated to, to be involved in this research of a conceptual play world to take forward and, and make uh, their own. And the passion that we hear from Lisa about that um, and, and how it's impacting on the, the children's learning of STEM, but also particularly for the girls. And if you're interested in participating in this, you can sign up for free professional development. Uh, just check out the notes below in our podcast notes. And then I think what we've heard today as well is that how all the work that's coming out of the uh, Play Lab is, is contributing to building more evidence around how to change the story for everyone. So it's exciting and engaging. So thank you, everyone, for um, listening today and hearing from Tanya and, and, and from Rebecca uh, about how the educators um, are really taking forward a conceptual play world. Thank you.